Good evening, thespians. Good evening, thespians and listeners of LMNOP. This is the podcast about the greatest show on television, Elementary. VCR Party. Sorry? Hi. Hi, Val. What, um, did you say elementary when I said elementary? No. What what did you say? Well, you know, I I don't have cable, Mm -hmm. um, and so... I'm so I may be speaking out of turn, but I don't think I don't think elementary is on TV anymore. I mean, maybe they play replay show reruns, but it depends on yeah, it depends on what kind of TV you have. Yeah, if you have a TV connected to my laptop, it does play on TV all the time. True, true. But uh, you know, and when you're not on TV, the, mm-hmm. the the world is your oyster. The internet has so many things for you to watch. And mm-hmm. I like to watch a YouTube channel show called VCR Party. Uh, okay. well, the full title of the show is VCR Party Live. And essentially what it is, is it's two guys who live in Brooklyn and all they watch are VHS tapes. <laughs> sometimes they're professional grade like bespoke things like the eyes have it produced and Uh and made by donna mills uh star of tv and screen Uh, but also sometimes it's just a weird home movie called jeff's birds in which a man sings a song to a rabbit and there Uh are no birds and no one named jeff appears in the video hey what Why'd they call it that then? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you, 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 well, in the old days, Val, I don't know how old you are, but I'm ancient. And when, when you uh-huh. had VHS tapes, you would record something on TV and then, you know, you would write like your little label, you'd put your, you'd take your Bic pen and you'd write what it was. Mm. And then, you know, but then, mm-hmm. oh, ugh, I don't have a new tape to record the big game. So I'm just going to use uh-huh. this tape. That has my hungry guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you know, transitive property. Maybe this person did have a tape that that filmed something related to Jeff's birds, and then later on in life, he's like, actually, fuck Jeff and fuck his birds. I'm going to record <laughs> myself singing to this bunny rabbit. <laughs> that sounds like quite a roulette wheel of. VHSs. You never know what you're going to get. And the whole premise of the show is basically going through all these different VHS finds and just kind of having fun with it. You know, since the pandemic, things have changed. Hmm. I haven't noticed that. <laughs> yeah, since the pan- yeah, a few things have changed. And this show, which is hosted by the guys who founded the Found Footage Festival, mm-hmm. um, they uh, have transitioned to Zoom conferences. And what they do now is they... they uh, watch pre-recorded, like digitized versions of the VHS tapes that they have in their collection, mm. but they also take time out of their day to learn and educate themselves about videos on the internet. So, if you are ever interested in learning more about that, uh, look up VCR Party and look up the Found Footage Festival. All right. Well, that sounds fun, but I do got to say to all of that, fuck Jeff and fuck his birds because we're not talking about them. <laughs> No, today we're talking about elementary. Elementary with Johnny Lee Miller, Lucy Liu, 
uh, other people whose names I never remember. And we're, yeah, you don't. I don't know who. I don't know who plays Captain Gregson. It's Aiden. Oh, it's Aiden Quinn. Why do I remember that? <laughs> that was a bad example, I guess. I was trying oh, to remember oh. Bell's actor's name, and I don't. And Marcus Bell is played by John Michael Hill. John Michael Hill. Oh man, we're killing it. All right. Enough of introducing the cast of Elementary. <laughs> Let's introduce <laughs> ourselves. I'm your host, Val Flight Cub, and that powder on my face is an anthrax. I'm just happy to see you. <laughs> and my name is my name is Joe, uh, aka Samuel Hecken. <laughs> now I don't quite know what that is a reference to. Well, Val, we'll get to it. Well, well, well let me just tell you that uh, there's a very famous Irish playwright named Samuel Beckett who oh, wrote a play called it. Waiting for Godot. Yes, and, yes, yes. And, yes. and uh, it's featured will, in this episode. Yes, very much so. And we'll talk more about that when we get to it. All right. So we watched season two, episode 20, No Lack of Void. And just to put a content warning on this episode, uh, th- there's nothing, we're not going to get into it, but this does feature a uh, drug overdose death. So yeah, it's, it is not, <clears throat> it is not seen. It is described. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this episode? First of all, before we even get into it. So listeners of the show will know that I watched all of Elementary up to the, my episode when I guessed it on last. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elementary, the Elementary bug just got me real good. And I watched ahead a couple of episodes after my, my guest appearance. And when I got to this episode, it... Um, I had to take a break from the show for a little bit because this oh. episode's pretty, pretty, pretty... Uh, it's pretty deep. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, it gets heavy at times. Mm-hmm. There's some levity, of course, as well. Yeah. But yeah, this episode uh, became relevant to my life in a very strange way around the time that I saw the episode. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I, oh, maybe I'll just take a break, take a little sidestep Oof. for a moment there. Yeah. I would say that this, this episode is Ouch. interesting because it deals with heavy subject matter, but I appreciate the way that it handled it. Hmm. I don't think there was a lot of moralizing about the issue that's at the center of the Mm -hmm. plot of this episode. And I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that it was Mm -hmm. a little bit more just a, it's just a meditation, just a little bit of a step back. And yeah. Yeah, me too. I hated the episode. Um, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I make that joke all the time. Yeah. It gets funnier every time. Yeah, which which is weird because you love the show. (laughs) I love the show, but each individual episode sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking poopy episodes but the show is great no i'm just kidding so this episode starts off at the brownstone Mm -hmm. and uh sherlock is at the kitchen table and he's practicing this accent so he reads the like a couple lines of this poem off his phone the time i've lost in wooing in watching and pursuing the light that eyes in woman's eyes has been my heart's undoing the time i've spent pursuing of what is it the time I've lost in wooing. The time I've lost in wooing. In watching and pursuing. In watching and pursuing. The light that lies. The light that lies. In woman's eyes. In a woman's eyes. Has been my heart's undoing. Has been my heart's undoing. <laughs> he sounds exactly like that. Yep. <laughs> and a spot on Irish accent. <laughs> well, so this is, so Joan comes in and she's like, oh, you're practicing your Irish accent. And- Sherlock Holmes is the most British man in the entire fucking world because, 
like, I don't know if this is because he's in America, so he feels like he really has to represent, but he's like, um, no, it's not an Irish accent because this is from the Derry region of North Ireland, and <laughs> Irish accents are for people in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually a United Kingdom accent, so... <laughs> um, actually, the place I'm from uh, has a very long and storied history of subjugating people, and I'd like for you to fucking recognize that, Joan. <laughs> right? Right. Um, actually, the Queen's icy grip is still tightly around this area of people, so get it right. It's icy cold because she's dead. Because she's super dead. <laughs> she's definitely dead. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I saw a recent picture of her, but... Photoshop can do so many things. Yeah, she she met Justin Trudeau recently. Okay, so that that did that is what that's from. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. did she? Or did she? You know, honestly, if she's not dead, it's even weirder that she was just like mysteriously like gone for a couple months and they were like, She's gonna um she's uh she's doing a special secret thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like she must have been sick and they just weren't saying anything. The brain transference from get out takes a while, you know? <laughs> Spoilers for Get Out. Who's in her body now, then? Who just met Justin Trudeau? Oh, well. <laughs> Obviously, it was Princess Diana. I mean, do you even check the message boards? Oh. No, no, it was JFK Jr. that met that met Justin Trudeau. Oh. Isn't JFK Jr. still alive? Well, yeah, he's in the Queen's body. Oh, okay. I got it. Yep, yep, yep. All right. <laughs> and, and, enough of this mini H-Kip episode. <laughs> I know. Uh, Joan uh, is going to return some police files or whatever. She has, you know, an errand at the police station. And this is just the the cops in this show just talk like (laughs) such cops. Like, oh, my God. Captain comes up to her and is like, hey, Joan, there's a guy in holding who's like sick or something. I know you're not a doctor anymore, but like, could you take a look at him? (laughs) It's just like. Be more vague. Yeah, seriously. Uh, it's it's so fucking funny. Like, I don't know if... um Quinn is a fine actor, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there's something a little bit too real about his performance as, <laughs> you know... like he, Although, although to be fair, he kind of asks Joan to take a look at this guy who's, like, dead on the floor. Mm-hmm. The way that, like, I ask somebody who I work in the same office with, like, Hey, could you, um... Did you... Uh, did you bring the donuts in today? <laughs> right. Uh, are they for anyone, or can I just can I just take one? I can take one. Okay, great. I already took one, awesome. but thank you. <laughs> right. I was gonna blame it on somebody else yeah. if uh, if I couldn't. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Or like, a, hey, do you know how the printers work? Could you just like something's like going on with it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they go into the holding cell, and there's a guy just like fully laid out on the floor they went extra hard with this random character's name for no reason yeah we learned that this guy who's on the floor is a well-known pickpocket named apollo mercer Mm. Mm. and then joan immediately discovers that he's dead so it's like what that's a a lot of name (laughs) for a guy (laughs) who doesn't talk like apollo mercer sounds like a name that like you could give yourself in the wrestling video game. Yes. Today. I was, like, yes. I was just going to say that it sounds like a wrestler name. Yeah. Cause I know Mercer for a long time was like a default name that you could put uh, on your wrestler in the game. Mm. But now that there's a wrestler named Apollo Cruz, now you could give yourself. Oh now I- I'm going to make Apollo Mercer in the next wrestling game yes. if I ever get it. Yes. You will win every match. 
<laughs> with your sleight of hand wrestling tricks. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of uh, of uh, of someone who's like a famous pickpocket, it's just I don't know. I only associate pickpockets with like the 19th century. So it's like <laughs> So the, the the detective Bell looks at this guy and says, "Oh yeah, this is like a purse snatcher or whatever." No, uh-huh. he looks at him and says, "This boy's a pickpocket." Right, right. Like, well, it was one. Where's your newsy cap, and why are you not twelve? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This kind of kicks up a little thing because the policeman overseeing the holding cell was like, "I don't know, he was alive a couple hours ago," and uh, <laughs> Captain's like, "Go get the Emmy," and blah blah blah. And um, Joan looks at the guy. And is immediately like, we got to quarantine everybody out here and like, make sure that none of the other prisoners like come near him and like, blah, blah, blah. Because he's got what I wrote in my notes as death sludge. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) He's got this like disgusting, thick uh, liquid coming out of his mouth that she says is a combination of blood and necrotic tissue because he most likely died from anthrax poisoning. What? Yeah, the California-based thrash metal band killed this man. <laughs> and they left their calling card of sludge coming out of his mouth. Yeah, I, I, it, it looked like like the thickest, grossest coffee mixed with like chocolate pudding ever. Mm-hmm. It was really gross. Yeah, they really did like a lot of practical effect of like he had a lot of it. It wasn't like oh like look at this little drip. It was like look at this column of sludge coming out of this guy's mouth. And like onto the floor. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, then we get yeah. we get the full intro. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, ding. I and I and I felt bad. I felt bad when we got the the real intro <laughs> because you've had some nice and lovely guests on the show since I was on last, mm-hmm. and you've wanted desperately to to have them all see the big long intro. Yes. And the and the person who gets to see the long intro is the guy who hates the the intro because I hate. <laughs> The machine in the intro. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. If you told me that last time, I didn't retain it. I did because (sighs) because the machine's not connected to anything. And it's just it's just a bunch of moving shit. It it, is. and it annoys the hell out of me. And so so I, I felt bad. I was like, oh, this is wasted on me. Because <laughs> now I get to see the long intro where oh. part of the Rube Goldberg machine is the mug gets destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or, or a wine glass gets destroyed, I think. Yeah, the, the wine glass yeah. gets um, knocked over and smashes. There's a little um, phrenology bust like Angus who gets his head bashed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So that might be the porcelain thing being destroyed you're thinking of. But um Yeah. That's really funny. I I yeah. my brain must have just fully rejected that information because I didn't enjoy to know that. <laughs> you don't like the Rube Goldberg machine. Uh yeah. But yeah, we do get Rube Goldberg machine and then when we come back, uh that's when Holmes meets with Watson and Gregson at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And Bell. He walks up to them yeah. and they're like standing at the reception counter or something. And he's like, uh, so I something, something, the clues and blah, blah, blah. And Joan is like, um, we're all fine. Thanks for asking. And he's like, I didn't not ask because I, because I don't care. I, I didn't ask because it's really obvious because you wouldn't be allowed to just like, I wouldn't just be allowed to stand around if they had been infected. Like. Yeah, it was a it was a real big reverse card moment from from (laughs) Sherlock. Yeah, so they have uh, figured out that the way that Apollo Mercer 
was exposed to anthrax was that he ate a bag that he found. Yep. I know that it's not as silly as that, but it that is just kind of how it st- struck me at the time. Yeah. So they're like, why would he eat a bag of anthrax if he was going to like poison people with anthrax? And Sherlock is like, well, he he probably pickpocketed it off of somebody and thought it was cocaine. And then like when he saw the police coming after him, swallowed it so that he could keep it for later and not have it seized. I think I think the idea was that he wouldn't be caught with cocaine. Right. 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 So, yeah. So because, yes. you know, it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't enough for him to be just using for his own personal use. It's possible that he could have been caught and charged with um, possession with intent to sell. Oh, yeah. Which, it was a kind of a big bag. Yeah. 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 Like a full sandwich bag. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was it was like it was like palm sized, I think. But but still, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of marginal. Where it was a gallon bag. Yeah, it was one of those big freezer bags that you put chili in. God, I I've been I've been I I've had to patch and prime uh, the gallery that I work at lately, mm-hmm. and um, I've been trying to get used to mixing sheetrock, and and I always make too much, and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like I I just I just become Bobo the fool every time I, I'm like oh this this is like a very tiny amount of sheetrock and it fills the whole trough of oh uh, <laughs> god and it's just yeah just a real a real shame I I'm not butch at all What about the bag conversation made you think of that Just the idea that uh, it's always more than you think It's always more than you think yeah it's true Also um did did your does your family put chili in gallon bags and put it in the freezer for later? Absolutely. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. You're not you're not weird. You're not weird. We got the sewing materials in the cookie tin. We yeah, got the my, chili in the bags in the yeah, freezer. Yeah. Cool. My my stepdad is English, so he inherited uh, putting all the sewing supplies in the cookie tin from his mom. <laughs> so Sherlock also says, you know, he wouldn't have eaten the bag if he knew it was anthrax. And also his priors indicate he has a drug problem, not an anthrax problem. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking um, owned. That guy. Yeah. I thought that was silly. So they go back to the brownstone. They're going to try and see who he must have pickpocketed this uh, this baggie from. Yeah. And Joan is reminiscing about the last time that anthrax was like in the news, which was 2001. Yeah. Um, how old were you in 2001? Where were you on 9-11? Oh, well, you know, I was... <laughs> Different uh, question. <laughs> I remember flying uh, to... No, I... Um, what a twist. I remember seeing somebody start to hijack my plane and I was the one that stopped them. You ever see that photo that fa- that photo that turned out to be photoshopped um the tourist where it's mm-hmm. the, the guy on the balcony at the World Trade Center and someone photoshopped mm-hmm. a plane. I was taking mm-hmm. the photo for it. Oh know, wow. You know. Mm-hmm. And also I was 10, so you know. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I was 10 I was <laughs> 10 years old at the at the time of the anthrax scare. Yeah, yeah. I was um Nine. I was also, yeah. I was also taking the picture, but I, not. I wasn't doing as good of a job. I was definitely chopping off the top of the guy's head in the photo. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, the anthrax scare thing wasn't really a thing I knew about at the time because, like, it never really circulated um, in the Canadian news so much. Right. Um, you know, I like I like I like I knew what nine eleven was because school like our school literally announced it over the PA system. I remember this so vividly. What? Yeah, I I was in school and 
somebody announced it. Uh, the I believe the principal announced it over the over the PA system, and we had to do a moment of silence. How um, much detail was in this announcement? Just that there was, there has been. I think it's that there was been an incident at the World Trade Centers in New York City, That's which is really weird. The word "incident" is doing so much work, and that is <laughs> a vast the, understatement. I think the idea of of being told in being like informed over the PA system was weird, but then I sort of realized that like. What it had, the the whole idea of it was that like there were adults who were panicking, so right. you know they wanted to like placate and like sort of like calm us all down because mm. if the adults were acting scared and upset, then we would also be acting scared and upset. It was yeah. a very bizarre thing. What a weird time to live in. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, it's not like I, until, it wasn't until I was like in my twenties that I truly really grasped the situation at my <laughs> hand and, and how we got to that point. And, you know, and, uh, and that was due in, in part to the massive amounts of propaganda that was shelled out. Oh, yeah. Um, by once again, we are not on HKIP. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we gotta circle it back. <laughs> we gotta circle back. We got. Anthrax was a thing, and it was it was there were attacks, but also it it was it was a hysterical situation. Not yes. not that it was funny. That it was, it was, no, was wicked funny. It was I cracked up. Oh my god, no! Oh my god, I feel <laughs> so bad. No, it was. It These was, words need to not have two definitions. It's it's so the English language sucks so bad, and I <laughs> and I hate it. And. It was, it was, it was, uh, there was a bit of a mass hysteria around anthrax at the time. Yeah. The idea that, like, any white powder could kill you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Joan says a similar thing. Um, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was a doctor back then. And she said something that made me go, oh, um, which was, she said, um, yeah, you know, everyone is really paranoid. Everyone with a cough thought they had it. I was like, oh, I can't relate. Don't yeah. know. There's nothing going on in my life like that. <clears throat> yeah. So, any- so anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sherlock is watching some security footage of mm-hmm. um, of Apollo Mercer on his laptop. And Joan is watching security footage on her Microsoft Surface tablet with a touchable keyboard. Only $8.99. Go to <laughs> Best Buy and pick up today. Exactly. Choose your choice of color. Um, so Sherlock is like being kind of pissy. Like she, she's like, oh, could it be this guy? And he has some, some explanation of like why it's not whatever, like why she's wrong about that. And he's like, anyway, these screens are too small. I'm going to the media room. And she's like, you've been upset all day. Like what happened? What's going on with you? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, did something happen on your breakfast? Because he was going to. Did, did we say he was going to go have breakfast with Alistair to practice no, his? N- no, no. Uh, we should have mentioned that when he was doing the recitation. It, he was listening to oh, Alistair's yes. voice and he was trying to to copy it. He was practicing his accent for that. Yes. Yeah. Um. So Joan is like, did something happen at the breakfast? And Sherlock says, oh, no, Um. I had to push off the breakfast because Alistair is dead. Bye. And then yeah. like walks up the stairs. Oh. <sighs> So Joan um, 
flips back the keyboard, the flexible attachable keyboard on her Microsoft Surface and takes it upstairs to the media room to talk to Sherlock more about this. And, um, you know, he says that he had a, a heart attack and that he missed the funeral, but he'll be going by to pay his respects to Ian, uh, which is Alistair's partner, later in the week. Sherlock brings up the um, the security footage on the me- in the t- media room TV. Mm-hmm. And Joan pulls up an email from Marcus Bell on her Microsoft Surface tablet. And uh, they cross-reference what they see on the TV, which is Apollo Mercer. I'm just going to say his name like as many times as I can. I think oh, this yeah. is like the last opportunity I have. <laughs> Apollo Mercer pickpocketing a guy, um, taking something from his breast pocket. And they're like, well, what could that be? Uh, and... They like look at the picture or something and she compares it to the email that she has of um, all of the things that they found on Apollo Mercer when they arrested him. And one of them is a sunglasses case with no sunglasses in it. And they're Mm. like, hmm, it seems like something you would A, put in a breast pocket and B, use as a little container for some anthrax. Yeah. Mm. I buy my sunglasses prescription online and- (laughs) When they send you, when I buy glasses from this place, they send you a case with every pair of glasses. Yeah. And I never use those glasses. So if I wanted to sell some illicit powders to people, I would be so set. (laughs) And and that's so valid, Val. Um, (laughs) and, And you should definitely feel free to pursue your dreams. Maybe not. Maybe don't start with anthrax. Maybe just like work your way up. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know anybody that wants to buy um, some dirt on the black market from my yard? Honestly, Val, like yes, but also we'll talk off air. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll t- we'll we'll talk we'll talk. But um, don't want to incriminate us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a notorious collector of uh, boxes that are neat. Mm-hmm. If I find it, if I have a relatively cool box that a thing I bought from Blamazon or whatever in it, mm-hmm. then I will keep that. I'll keep that box. Like boxes. You that never are like, freaking know. You never know. And I have like I have like three cell phone case. I have like three <laughs> cell phone boxes that mm-hmm. I use to just keep like cables and coins in. I I have a boxes. problem. <laughs> you know. I think your problem is you don't have enough stuff to put in your cool boxes. I think that is – so you know what? Actually, I'll buy the dirt off of you so I can put <laughs> it in these boxes. Yes, my first sale. And for any FBI agent listening, just kidding. Exactly. We're not <laughs> selling – I'm not selling illegal dirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't got any dirt on you. Hey! <laughs> um. So – so they find the sunglasses case guy and Joan is like, oh, I recognize him. I saw him earlier in the footage buying a coffee from a food truck. And they watch the footage and he uses an app on his phone to pay for the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, dang, like, boom, like, we might not know who that guy is, but his phone sure does. And yeah. um, the fact that they found the victim through a purchase that he made on his phone if anything, if anybody ever pickpocketed something from me, it would be so easy to track me down. Yeah. I don't take my card out ever if I don't have to. I use my phone for 
everything. Yeah, I. It's so much easier. I haven't gotten on the uh, the NFC chip like pay thing. Like I, I pull out my card. I'm still, you know, I I, st- I still pull out the card. You know, uh, from time to time. Do you have Do you have an Android phone? I do. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't know if it's different for Android. Yeah, no. I, I think there's like <clears throat> there's like a payment. There's like a contactless payment system with Android, but I mm. don't use it. My fear mm. is, you know, getting like losing the phone or getting the phone stolen, and then mm-hmm. then I'm I'm boned. I'm just boned yeah. for the rest of the rest of my life, basically. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, um, I use the the fingerprint sensor for for my pay my apple pay but i'm also just like thinking about that made me think about just a detective like sherlock going through my electronic purchases and just the sad picture it would paint of like (laughs) oh they bought a snack from the vending machine at their office and then they did the same thing the next day and then four days in a row they had to buy their lunch uh uber eats uber eats uber eats uber eats uber Uber ride uber eats uber That's basically what it would be for me. Yeah, Grubhub, Patreon, <laughs> yeah. Patreon, exactly. Yeah, they'd be like, "What is this random amount on Patreon every month? Like, why? Who are they sending seventeen dollars to? <laughs> Three different people. Don't ask." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to have my name read out. Exactly. I want I to listen while they possible. record. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to. The potting bros, because yeah. I'm a ten dollar patron for them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, I one more thing before we move on. One more thing: the yeah, idea, we'll... the idea that anthrax has been brought up, and the fact that they have video footage of a person getting pickpocketed on the street. Those things are connected, and what and the connection is: the surveillance state. These Ooh. are these are things to keep in mind. Hmm. They got two different angles of this guy. One of him getting pickpocketed and one of him buying his coffee. Unbelievable. What the heck? Yes. Well, then in elementary, then what happens is uh, they're talking with Bell because, you know, some the, the police have done their little policey thing and found some info on this guy. So the guy who got pickpocketed, his name is Charlie Simon. Man, so nice they first named him twice. <laughs> yep. And uh, he apparently worked at Columbia University doing something or other. And um, he's, they're like, oh, well, college science labs will often have samples of stuff like anthrax. So this guy could have stolen them, uh, stolen it from Columbia. And then Joan says, well, if you had stole, like if somebody had stolen that much, they would definitely notice. But if he stole one little spore, he could grow more. And that's the point where I realized I do not know what anthrax is. <laughs> because apparently it's yeah. like a germ. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's not like necessarily it's not what you think of when you think chemical weapon. You think like it's a yeah. thing. It's a thing that's entirely synthesized in a lab. It's it's no, it's a naturally I was thinking- occurring kind of thing that you could cultivate yeah so weird yeah um so they talk to um they don't find charlie simon but they do find his roommate um and he's talking to them outside of the building he's like you know i don't know where charlie is we are not friends we're just roommates like whatever joan is like you let him be your roommate even though he's an ex-con and the roommate is like yeah 
because people deserve second chances. Yeah. And I was watching like, yeah, Joan. Yeah, God, what the hell? Also, do you, do you remember the roommate's name? No. Coogan Burl. What? The, what? the the man's name is Coogan Burl. Coogan Burl. What the heck? The man's so nice, they last named him twice. <laughs> Did they mix up the names? Like they meant to name one of them like Charlie Coogan and the other one Simon Burl and they just <laughs> I mean, uh... this is just somebody on the shirt like somebody on the elementary writers team is like i bet there's somebody that just like fucking sucks at writing dialogue and like coming up with stories but like whenever they're like what should we name this random side character he's like coogan burl (laughs) you know just like straight gold what if the pickpocket's name was apollo mercer for no reason dr dentist Thanks, Steve. God. Um, Steve, you've done it again. You fucking, <laughs> you, you absolute madman. <sighs> so um, he says, the roommate says, Coogan, Coogan Burl says, uh, Charlie was a fine roommate. The only thing that was weird about him was that he took three to four walks every night and they took exactly 30 minutes, uh, like clockwork. But other than that, perfectly fine guy. So the police have gone to the the building and come out and they're like, yeah, there's no anthrax lab in here. Uh, and he's like, um, anthrax? Uh, so uh, Joan puts together that anthrax has to be constantly monitored when it's in the growing phase, when it's in the growth phase. So he probably was every three to four, you know, <clears throat> every couple of hours walking, checking on his spores and coming back. Yeah. And there was something about Sherlock saying, ah, so he may have been tending to his spores in the night that I really was like, three to four times every night, man? That's a lot lot of tending to your spores. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, save some for the rest of us. God. Seriously. You're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. At some point. (laughs) Um, But uh, so Sherlock does some, some walking speed math and he's like, Okay, so Joan says it would take 10 minutes to tend to a spore, and so 30 minutes, so he's got 10-minute walking time, and if he's, how tall is he, he's, you know, whatever, and his, the stride length for a man that height is 1.8 meters, so with the average step, step number blah, 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 per minute, blah, 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 and while he's doing all of this complicated, very Sherlock Holmesy kind of weird stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Joan goes through his trash and finds a bunch of mail <laughs> and <laughs> paws yeah. through it and and comes up with a um comes up with a a, a note like a bill from his storage unit that's like down the street. <laughs> so <laughs> Sherlock is like, you know, we need we need every like non-residential you know, rental property that's like relatively small cuz he's not very, you know, within this radius blah 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 and she's like, "Why don't we start here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, you know, and, and another another weirdly uh, oddly specific surveillance moment. The idea that mm-hmm. the roommate—I don't know—I've never had roommates because I'm because uh, I because I could never. Um, mm. But uh, and I'm also very lucky in that my mom lets me live here. <laughs> uh, but like, thank I'm, you, Joe's mom. I've never had roommates, but if I like the idea that the roommate knew how long he was out for and how often mm-hmm. he went out is mm-hmm. so weird to me. 
Yeah, there's no way that this is true unless they are literal roommates and they're in the same yeah. room. Yeah. Like, because, oh my God, they were roommates. Oh my God, they were roommates. Like, what kind of clanging and banging is this guy doing every time he gets up and comes home from his walk that he's waking his roommate up? I can't I, even tell you. I have three roommates. I don't know where two of them are at all. And like... <laughs> One of them might be home or not. I don't know. They could be dead right now. I hope that they aren't. And I'm pretty... I gotta go check something. (laughs) Uh, And you hope they're not making anthrax. God. Yeah, exactly. Because we... I can't afford the lab equipment for that. I need it for my uh, meth. So anyway, um, yeah, this is this is another one of those, you know, elementary things where it's like a very good clue that actually, if you think about it at all, you would never get. Yeah. You would never. That would not happen. But um, so then they're uh, they decide to investigate this storage unit. And of course, it's, you know, potentially a biohazard, you know, a, a place to grow a biological weapon. Yeah. So they are actually in the van and they're watching the uh, the hazmat team go in with their little like first person camera like attached to their head. Yeah. Um, and uh, first of all, they come across Charlie Womp. Yeah. Uh, and then they're looking around and they're like, hmm, no powder. And Sherlock's <laughs> like, can you can you look over at those trays again on the table? And there's all these like Pyrex dishes uh that have like are like stained red on the bottom yeah and sherlock's like that's from sheep's blood agar yeah which is what you would use to make anthrax yeah and there's like hundreds of these empty trays yeah yeah not a not a good not a good scene honestly nope yeah, it's it's really creepy in the in the lab. When I um, saw the when I saw the um the the containers with the red the red bottoms, I was like, my God, he was running a secret <laughs> preserve ring. <laughs> right. Do you have any idea how much jam a man could make in a place like this? It's sickening. <laughs> it did really look like it did really look like he was making like jello or something. But he was making the evil version of Jello. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so we were talking before recording about how this episode is like very heavy, but there is some stuff that's just kind of goofy. And yeah. this is this next scene is a moment of that where I think because I'd already seen the episode, you know, so many times, and what I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was kind of paying attention to more of like kind of what the actor was doing. So in this next, the next scene, they're at the police station and Captain is like giving a little presentation because they found um, the fingerprints of um, the lab guy, Charlie Simon, um, his partner. So that guy's probably out there with the anthrax. Yeah. But while he's presenting it, he's got this cork board with like pictures of the two sets of fingerprints and pictures from the crime scene of Charlie dead in his lab. And he's got one of those little metal extendo things. Yeah. Like a little pointer. And yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. pointing at stuff. And then like when he's talking, he's like kind of touching it and like playing with it. <laughs> it's just like. Were they just going to have him point at it? And then Aiden was like, come on, can I have like a something to hold? Like, can I have a prop for the scene? 
Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to go on Extendo Pointer Watch to see if it <laughs> makes another appearance. Right? Like, is this is this something that Captain really likes? Or is like, is he like, oh, shoot, my arm's tired from pointing and I need to point at this stuff on this board. Does anybody have a... Did his wife give it to him for his birthday? Like, what's the backstory behind the Extendo thing? Right, right, right. Is it engraved? Yeah. Was it originally a TV antenna that he, that he <laughs> repurposed or... We got to know how handy this man is. Is it a switch that he borrowed from his dom? We don't know anything (laughs) about this thing. All of these are equally plausible. Yes. It could be anything. (laughs) So anyway, um, Charlie's partner, the person whose fingerprints were in the lab, Mm -hmm. um, is a man named Eugene McIntosh. Yeah. Which is the name of an apple. So what if his name was a different apple eugene granny smith eugene red delicious <laughs> eugene delicious like at this point would be the most normal name <laughs> to, pop, to appear in the episode my name is eugene r period delicious <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um my name <laughs> his partner eugene pink lady uh is somewhere on the lamb so yeah. anyway so so eugene Granny Smith is a a radical ex- extremist who's uh, very anti-government. And the reason that he knows Charlie um, is because he was in jail. And the reason he was in jail was because he's so anti-government, he got arrested for assaulting a census worker. <laughs> so, like, somebody comes by your house and is like, knock, knock, hello, how many people are here? And he's like, it's going down. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. Just he he has the baseball bat, he just starts swinging. <laughs> and, better make it count. Yeah, god. And and the worst thing about about like maybe not the That worst was a reference I don't I don't endorse beating up census yeah. workers. Sorry. You were saying. Yeah, yeah. Definitely definitely don't definitely don't don't condone that. Mm-hmm. But um you know, they say he's an extremist. They say he's anti-government. This man mm-hmm. is a right wing like 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 terrorist yeah. he's he's a right wing white terrorist mm-hmm. this, he's this he's guy, the classic american domestic terrorist yeah he, yeah he's timothy mcveigh and 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 you know he's not a good guy no <laughs> not uh, the name of his group uh did you catch the name of the group oh yeah it was a uh, sovereign army yeah which is the biggest red flag i've ever heard in my fucking yeah. life yeah yeah uh, Bell says that they're very anti-government and pro-Second Amendment, which is the, yeah, the biggest red flag political opinion to have. Uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, like, you know, I know leftists who you could describe as anti-government and pro-Second Amendment, <laughs> you know? True. But, and I think that that's kind of what annoys me about, like, them not saying he's right wing, you know? Yeah, CBS, what the yeah, hell? That's, that's fair. That is, maybe, yeah, maybe it's my my bias that I assumed everyone would think these guys are conservatives. I hope there's there aren't, like, Republicans watching elementary being like, these guys are probably SJWs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. So, Sherlock now goes to visit Alistair's partner. Yeah. Um, did you notice that the living room they sit in is just humongous? It is so tall. 
it's tall living room. It's really tall. It's really deep and like wide. It's like a it's like a sitcom set. Yeah, it's with the, how huge it is. Yeah, it's the um it's 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 yeah it's huge it's it's absolutely huge and but but apparently uh alistair was a very good actor so maybe Mm -hmm. he just had tons of money yeah maybe he worked in a bookstore so probably not but (laughs) yeah but also i could i could see like you know you being retired like I, i could see myself being retired but i pick up i pick up shifts at at the bookstore oh yeah fair point absolutely um uh um, is this where, um, is this a scene where, uh, Sherlock makes reference to when he first saw Alistair? Um, or is that yes, when he was yes. doing the recitation? So yeah, Sherlock mentions to Ian that he, that, um, um, Alistair's, um, Vladimir in the play Waiting for Godot was mm-hmm. very good. So Ian actually brings this up because oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he grabs the, he grabs the book. Right, right, yeah. So he gifts to Sherlock a first edition of the script of Waiting for Godot, which is apparently, yeah, the first first show that uh, Sherlock saw Alistair act in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was he was a uh, Vladimir. Yeah, and and one of the one one very interesting sort of like side trivia fact here is that um, the actor who played Alistair, um, he did play of Vladimir in an actual production of Waiting for Godot. Oh my gosh. One of the people who he played alongside uh, um, his co-star in that production of Waiting for Godot was Ian McKellen. Ian, <gasps> no way! Yeah, Ian McKellen uh, and Patrick Stewart were putting on Waiting for Godot for a number of years, but Patrick Stewart had to bow out i believe he was ill and so mm. the actor who plays alistair who i'm i'm sorry i'm forgetting his name you'll have to pull it up i googled it later his name is roger reese he uh he did a production with ian uh for uh a good long a good year actually wow. and then he would later do other productions of waiting for godot without ian mccallan but the I, when I when I tell you that I looked so hard for a recording of Ian McKellen and um and the actor who plays Alistair um like I tried to find clips of them performing together because mm-hmm. uh, that would have been utterly fantastic to see. Yes, absolutely. Ah, oh, that is a that's a great fact. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I also love thinking about Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart doing a show together, doing Waiting for Godot together, because mm-hmm. that's like very much like the two guys the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know, really good friends. That's that's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. Hearing them talk about each other is, is so heartwarming and lovely. Mm. So Sherlock then asks Ian if Alistair had talked to Jeremy recently yeah. or had seen Jeremy recently. They don't explain who that is, but Ian is like, why do you ask? And Sherlock's like, well, I'm having trouble, like, reconciling Alistair being dead with how, with his vitality, with his joie de vivre. Um, yeah, his so vigor. I, his vigor. This is just very much like the, not quite, I mean, kind of like the denial phase of grief of just like, what? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's the, um, that's that scene. Very sad. Um, and then we go to the farm. Yeah. Bart's farm. <laughs> so 
Eugene Pink Lady had has a brother named Bart with a farm. <laughs> Editing Val here. I don't know how this happened, but um, I called this character Greg and Bart interchangeably, and I don't notice until super late in the episode. So just be prepared for that, I guess. Bart is Greg, and Greg is Bart. Okay. And uh, Bart says, oh, this, this farm... I fucking, I suck at being a farmer. <laughs> My farm is, uh, it's, oh, it's so close to being underwater. Uh, I'm so broke. Yeah. Um, and he also says, um, My brother and I fought all the time, so I didn't really see him very much. He was mad that I was taking uh, money from the government. He was even mad that mom took social security. Uh, because that's how, like anti-government this guy is yeah which is pretty in line with a lot of conservative <clears throat> mm-hmm. people so yeah yeah uh that's where the slippery slope slips to this is not h cap sorry <laughs> <laughs> so they're like so where is he where can we find him and he's like well i haven't seen him in like a month and joan goes detective bell asked if you knew where we could find him not if you've seen him <sighs> And then we cut to the them in the car, and Joan is like, so the brother gave us the address of where we could find him. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yes. Uh, Slay queen. <laughs> um, so Sherlock is, um, has, has left Ian's apartment now, and he's like, okay, well, so I'm actually pretty close to the address. I'll, I'll just go there, and I'll, like, wait for... Um, Apparently, you know, ESU is on their way as well. They're like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, I'll be there first. So I'll just wait for them to show up. Uh, what does ESU stand for? Uh, um, emergency services unit or. Uh, uh, oh, no. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, something substances unit. Illicit substances unit. Oh. That's, that's my guess. Hold on. Let me let me just. What if it was edible snack underwear? Uh. That could be on their way, too. I mean, Joan is on the way, so, you know. <laughs> em- uh, no, ESU stands for Emergency Service Unit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought I really crossed out. Please. <laughs> Listen, if Lucy Liu is wearing them, any pair of underwear is at <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Any pair is edible if you try hard enough, god if damn you try, it. If you have the determination. Uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. Oh. <sighs> so anyway. Yeah, emergency services unit are on their way and mm-hmm. Sherlock has decided to go stealth mode mm-hmm. and he's hiding behind some garbage mm-hmm. and a and a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he's looking uh, to scope out the place, who shows up next to him? It's a ghost. It's a ghost of Alistair. This is such classic TV. Like, a character dies, and then another yeah. character is thinking about them. You know that actor is going to be on screen. Yeah. I I really... I... Uh, how do I feel about this? I really like this. Um... I like it when it's not like a transparent, like, ooh, a floating ghost. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like they're just there behind. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. 
I think they do it well on Elementary too, where this happens to a few people, I think, and um, it's never like the ghost says something and the person talks back and somebody else in the room thinks they're talking to them or something like that. Like, there's never any like, oh, is he really saying this out loud or what? Because it's, it's always just like the person that's thinking about this dead person and then the dead character. Like, it's contained, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very... Um... And it and and the conversation that Sherlock has with with Alistair is like very like kind of like I'm busy like mm-hmm. could you could you leave me alone so it's like it's um it it to me like kind of like very similar like in a very on screen kind of like not with like internal dialogue like Kyle X Y where it's like I th- I saw my friend Alistair and I was very sad like right. it's it's more physical and more uh, like like it's more in your face that way but also mm-hmm. it's like what is happening in front of you is indicative of what's happening inside Sherlock's mind right and Absolutely. so he has this conversation with Alistair and he gets annoyed so he like just like uh, he so as soon as he sees the truck uh get loaded mm-hmm. in with a, with the case he just goes for it he just he yeah. just guns it big box truck two suspicious guys loading some crates onto there oh yeah and yeah and, and Alistair's like oh what do you think's in the truck and Sherlock's like well there's a way to find out actually and so he just goes in he opens the truck up and he walks into it and opens a box and there's four big glass jars of white powder yeah and then, of course, and and some uh, envelopes addressed to a congressman, mm-hmm. or like you know, you see one, and you can assume that the rest of them are also addressed to other congressmen. Yeah. And the guys have spotted him, so they're like, "You just made the biggest mistake of your life!" And they got like a big like crowbar. They don't yeah. talk like babies. I don't know why I did that voice. <laughs> um, they say, "Hey, Mister, we don't <laughs> like you. You're in our truck." <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and they do a quick cutaway, and then uh-huh. um, to Joan in the car, she answers mm-hmm. her phone, and she says, um, "You're there already. ESU's on the way." And um, you know, we cut back to the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, we see three guys laid out, and we see <laughs> Sherlock holding um, the phone in his hand, mm-hmm. and he has. I think he has the crowbar. And, Probably, and and the camera pans up from from the ground of the, the the floor of the truck up to his face, and he his face is just covered in white powder. He looks like he is baking a cake in a rom com. Yeah, he's yeah. got poof, yeah funny yeah. powder on his face, but also holy shit. Yeah, Sherlock says, you know, tell him to wear their hazmat suits, blah blah blah, and then mm-hmm. it's a quick cut to mer- commercial. Yeah, yeah. Tell them to bring the hazmat suits. I think I found the anthrax. Yeah. Yep. Which is such a which is such a scene that would show up in like a preview tonight on Sherlock. Uh huh. Tell them to bring the hazmat suits. I found the anthrax powder on the face. Like right. <laughs> yeah. Sherlock fucking dies <laughs> tonight on the last episode of Elementary. <laughs> yes, we ended the season three episodes early. Don't ask. Yeah. Um. No. Anyway. Uh. One second. I gotta take my switch off. Don't say anything funny. My headphones are off. I can't hear you. Okay, I'm back. I've never said anything funny. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you didn't start while I was taking my headphones off. Um, I mean, yes, you have. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
too delayed of a reaction does not sound genuine uh anyway <laughs> i can't be held liable for anything that i say on a podcast because i am always trying to yes and and sometimes it has some weird results yep so <laughs> when we come back from commercial sherlock is in a hospital bed and he's like oh, joan will you tell them please that it wasn't really anthrax and he explains that he figured out, like, you know, he thought at first that it was anthrax, but then um, he took a look at it. And once he tasted it, and Joan was like, you tasted it? And he was like, and once I tasted it, I figured out that it wasn't anthrax. So it's just uh, talc and baby laxative. Which, you know, Why maybe you know shouldn't that have like? that either. Yeah, probably shouldn't eat that. <laughs> Today I learned. You know. Laxative yeah. for babies comes in powder. I guess. So you can mix it with whatever food they like to eat. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a detective too, you know? I'm smart. Yeah. Uh, so he's complaining because the dumb hospital won't let him go, even though he's Sherlock Holmes and he said it was an anthrax and that he's fine. They still insisted on taking his jacket and his pants and yep. his shoes. And uh, Captain comes in and Sherlock, uh, uh, you know, says the same thing to captain and, and the captain's like yeah they just you know we did a rush on the uh test and it was not it's not anthrax so you're good to go <laughs> and sherlock says well great so you know i think now in our search for the real anthrax and for eugene that's actually going to be a search for one thing like i think he has both and then he goes to get up to like go back to mystery solving and he just goes but first trousers <laughs> That's, like, I'm, I'm I'm always saying this personally. Unfortunately, yes, you do have to wear pants sometimes for things. Um, that I feel like that line is so like corny. If it was in a different show, I might be like, "This show is goofy," but it's this show, and I fucking loved it. I think there's also something to be said about the fact that Sherlock says it so straight faced. Uh huh. Yes, and sells the fucking shit out of it yes he's like genuinely the first item on my list is to get my trou- my trousers so i can put them on um, please have my pants may i please it's like goofy derogatory versus like goofy complimentary absolutely so we cut to an interrogation with uh one of the guys that was um in this fight with sherlock uh one of the sovereign army guys and this guy fucking sucks he is yeah. so annoying in a way that only American white people can be because he is, they're like, okay, so you're, what's your name? And the guy's like, my name is Joe Bay. Not deserving of his last name at all. No. This man is not a Bay. No, no, he is not. And Captain is like, well, your paperwork says your name is Kurt Greenlee. And what's this guy's freaking response? He says, tell him though. He says, that was a slave name. Blah 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 blah. Kurt, shut the fuck up. That was a gov- that he says that was a government slave name. How dare you? Given to me by a corporation. Boo. I, I do not recognize the United States. Boo. Boo. Like also like 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 just like just like goofy benevolent goofy derogatory. There's I do not recognize the United States government good and do not recognize the government bad yes 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 i was actually kind of wondering if you had a different perspective about this because like as a first nations person you live in a place that has a different like 
the Canadian government and you're yeah. I might be totally misunderstanding this. So I apologize if this is like not cool to say, but like because you you mentioned before, like you you do you have citizenship or you don't? So so it's weird, right? So 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 yeah, very quickly, quick distillation. The act that gave Canada its own independence had rolled into it all of the our all of uh uh the treaties that indigenous people made with the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. It was the Queen because it was Victoria at the time. Mm-hmm. And so all of those treaties get roped into the British North America Act of 1867, okay. which means basically that like under under treaties, we were British allies. We were British subjects. Mm-hmm. And so now under the British North America Act, we are still the Queen's subjects, but we're now living in the state of Canada. So the Queen of England, she's still the Queen of Canada, right? Uh-huh. And so indigenous people who are registered under the Indian Act... Mm-hmm. which is the piece of legislation that literally counts all of the indigenous people in Canada in a legalistic way mm-hmm. that is built on racist blood quantum laws. Mm. Everybody who's registered under the Indian Act is considered a ward of the crown, which is to say the person who's responsible for them ostensibly is the Queen of England or the crown. Uh-huh. But in actuality, they are governed by the head of state, which is the prime minister, uh-huh. And the head of government, who is the queen. Okay. But the queen doesn't do anything herself, obviously. Right. She, she, because she's a coward and she won't 1v1 me. <laughs> right. So she elects this person called the governor general. The governor general's job is to basically be the queen's rubber stamper in Canada. Okay. Everything that every every piece of legislation that passes has to receive royal assent, mm-hmm. which is to say that the governor general of Canada has to approve the legislation. Oh, so being born "quote unquote" in Canada means that I am a citizen of this place, but it also means that if I were to register under the Indian Act, that I would be privy to treaties that were signed between my people, and the Queen of England. Huh. Okay. And so, yeah, so all of that to say, what does it mean to sit in a in an interrogation room and say, as a white man, mm-hmm. the name I was given at birth is a slave name, mm-hmm. is 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 so tone deaf. <laughs> it, 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 like, it, it's so tone deaf that it becomes so accurate. Right. Because there are people, there are people out there who have anti-government sentiment that have distrust of the government or whatever and that they're tracking you and this and they want to divest from social insurance and they're a sovereign citizen mm-hmm. which is basically what the sovereign army is a, is an offshoot mm-hmm. of it's like you know they believe that the united states is a corporation and that they don't actually believe that it truly exists as it originally mm-hmm. did when it was founded you know like those people and their relationship to anti-government sentiment Mm -hmm. is like flies in the face of actual people on this continent and in that country who faced actual slavery yeah but obviously they're not interested in that they're they're interested in right in becoming in being and being frontiersmen basically Mm -hmm. they want to they want to roam the country freely without paying taxes or doing anything like that they want to be they want to you know stake out their own lives and live mm-hmm. outside of the shadow of the government or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. And 
Meanwhile, it's like there's something to be said about like living within a carceral state, mm-hmm. a state that criminalizes you for being who you are. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, Joe Bay, <laughs> <laughs> you're not one of those people, right? You're 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 a person who can get away with making a bunch of anthrax for so long right and f- gallivanting with these fucking uh, probably racists and and you know? being <laughs> rude in a police interrogation yeah you know yeah. it's like it's like it's like none of this would be afforded to anybody with darker skin than you yeah yeah. You know, there were not institutions that were funded by your government to forcefully rip your own culture from you. Right. That that didn't happen to you. Right. It happens and it's still happening to people of color in your country. Yeah. So so yeah, I I it's a it's a huge soapbox to get on for this dumb TV show. <laughs> but I but I will also say that like people there are people out there who are like Joe Bay who believe in this shit. Mm-hmm. And People who have people like that in their family always ask me what I'm, what they're, what they're supposed to do about it, and I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> what I my my advice is, you know, like I don't have people like this in my life, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and that's and that's a hard truth. The hard truth is, is that if I knew anybody who had like a sentiment like this and who was tone deaf and not willing to learn or listen or anything, they wouldn't be in my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's not easy, but also what's the alternative? The alternative is that they're at your dinner table. Ugh. Yeah. This has been a great discussion. Yes. So I learned a lot about Canadian and British and indigenous Canadian politics just now. <laughs> I yeah. I think that the reason that I well, I mean, obviously, I, I knew that you were watching this episode as well. So I wanted your opinion on the whole episode. I think the thing that triggered the thought in my head when I was watching this was um, the United States government's relationship to specifically like sovereignty and Native American populations is like, there's it's, uh, we, we don't have the queen. So, so yeah, the yeah. like, the uh, tribal lands that are, you know, separate from the U.S. are just sovereign. I don't know enough about it to, like, say anything intelligent, but that was the thing where I, you know, made me think, like, I wonder if this is something that Joe experiences in some way. Yeah, what I would say is, if you're interested in looking up, like, the the history of the idea of, like, tribal sovereignty, Mm -hmm. in the United States, there's this uh, trio of Supreme Court cases called the Marshall Trilogy. And the Marshall Trilogy was basically a set of um decisions that were made um you know in the early 19th century that dealt with the legal and political standing of indian tribes mm-hmm. and basically it set the precedent for how um the outcomes of the marshall trilogy which first established that private individuals could not buy land from indigenous people mm. and then and that eventually indigenous people could not buy could not purchase any land and then mm-hmm. and that indigenous people were meant to uh only exist on the on land designated as for indians mm-hmm. like like that trifecta of legislation had influences in canada mm. new zealand and australia the oh. marshall trilogy is like the it's like one of the earliest apexes of like state repression of indigenous sovereignty from a legalistic standpoint. Hmm. And I would also recommend the documentary Trick or Treaty, 
mm-hmm. which deals mostly with Canadian history, but it details how treaties were used against Indigenous people, um, and 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 in what way they were um, deliberately um, misrepresented to Indigenous people mm-hmm. who then signed them. Okay, I'm definitely going to look all of this up later and become smarter. Um, yeah. This has been Henry Kissinger is Pokemon going to die. Leftist <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> no. Thank you for uh, explaining all of that to me very patiently and uh, clearly. Uh, I don't know how much of that I'm going to cut because I feel like I was maybe a dumb cracker in some no. of that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, would, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, not to your face. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not at no, no, not no. at my dinner table. Uh, <laughs> was that like did that was that a weird thing for me to just like randomly bring up, or did it make sense to you at the time that I was like, "Hey, is no. this you know?" I think it's a great. Um, it was a great prompt for me to explain what this guy's talking about and what I mean when I'm talking about indigenous sovereignty because I think that is a good question because. You know, often when I'm talking to people, even people who are like left leaning, mm-hmm. there's such a um there's such a confusion about like what land back means. Mm-hmm. Like, does that mean that you all own the land and you're our landlords now? It's like, well, no. <laughs> Calm down. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like, does that mean that everybody has to go away or everybody owes you rent? It's like, no, 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 no. Hold hold on. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Cause you know, leftists you know, and, and whether they're Marxists or communists or, or anarchists, they, they're, they're operating from the John Locke perspective of property mm-hmm. ownership. Because that's the only language that the Europeans know, right. that the European thought recommends, because John Locke is the one who said that land ownership is determined by usage of the land. Mm. And so European ideas about what it means to use the land influenced what land use what land sovereignty meant and that then extrapolated to who has the right to land mm. <clears throat> so uh under a under a lockean view of land ownership you know the idea of me saying something like land back you know i'm only speaking i'm speaking english but i'm not we're, we're not talking about the same things right. what when i say land back People who are in a European state of mind, who have European perspectives on land ownership and land property rights and mm-hmm. private ownership, they hear, give me back the land so that I can own it and mm-hmm. that you will owe me. Right. But what it means is, is this land has a relationship. We have a relationship to this land and a duty to protect mm-hmm. it. And, and that, and we want the responsibility back. The responsibility is currently in the hands of private businesses. Right. And so it's a deliberately anarchist and collectivist message that is, that becomes skewed because there are people who don't understand the history of this world, of um, the Americas. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea to bring up that. When this guy talks about sovereignty, he's talking about the right of white men mm-hmm. to own everything. Right. He's talking about manifest destiny. Right. And when I talk about indigenous sovereignty, I talk about the right for indigenous people to determine their own futures um, that they were robbed from, that our ancestors were robbed of. Yeah. 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 So I don't think it's a dumb question at all. I, I think it's a good question. And I think it's a question that I think... 
a lot of people who who listen to this episode or watch this or watch this this episode of the show should ask themselves is what am I advocating for? Yeah. And what does it mean to say the words but mean different things? Yeah. Also, if you are listening to this and you think that this John Bay guy has a good point, no offense, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh Anyway, now that we've taken that little divergence in the path, back to the episode. Yeah. I realized that they were being um, very tolerant of this guy uh, because he says, you know, call me by call me Joe Bay, my chosen name. And then they just do for the rest of the episode. And I would have called him Kurt as a sign of disrespect, but that's just me. Um, Yeah. Uh, when is it appropriate to dead name? This is when it's appropriate to dead name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like one of the only times. So he's he's being like, there's no rules that say I'm not allowed to have a truck. I was just, that was just harmless powder. It's no law against harmless powder. I was going to write letters to my congressman, but I forgot. So the envelopes were empty. I'm innocent. I didn't yeah. do nothing. And um, <laughs> Captain is like, okay, well, firstably... Uh, you have guns with serial numbers shaved off of them. You evade taxes because you don't, you know, recognize the government um, and like blah, blah, blah. So like you're not <laughs> you're still going to jail for other stuff. Yeah. And Sherlock also says, you know, you're saying now, oh, it's harmless powder. But I was there when you woke up uh, <laughs> from Sherlock knocking him unconscious. Um and when you saw that you had powder on you, you were scared. You like were panicked and trying to get it off of you. You thought you were gonna, you know, you thought it was dangerous. So yeah. So you know, this guy has plans that involve real anthrax. And Bay paid for the anthrax, and now that he knows that it's not real, Sher- Sherlock uses this information to say to to Bay, "Listen, you can't punish Eugene, but we can." Mm. And this to me was like, holy shit, this is some incredibly deep foreshadowing for real life in the sense that like law enforcement's proximity to right wing groups is so well documented and kind of like, it's still kind of being uncovered slowly, like, like, like piece by piece. And to think about not only are they acquiescing to his request to call him by his own name that is chosen name but also they're acquiescing to his hatred and using him to rat out and exploit other people in his group right and they're kind of so they're kind of buying into his framework of you know not like oh you don't have to tell us because we're the government like you just tell us because like we're some people who can do something you might like yeah, so, you know, that's very much why the operational security here mm. is just just a bunch of giant red flags. And, yes. you know, it, it talks and it talks about the disparity of, like, if the demographics division oh my God. had interrogated somebody who they thought was suspicious, would they be so willing to give him what he wants right. in, a, yeah. in a roundabout way? Yeah. Yeah. Boo to this guy. So this works. They they persuade him. Joan is back at the brownstone and she gets a call from, from Captain mm-hmm. who says that Joe was able to set a trap, basically, for Eugene. Like, he emailed him uh, for a meetup and there's going to be something, like, tomorrow morning or tomorrow in the at noon, whatever. 
Yeah. And they also have learned that the baggie that uh, Charlie Simon was holding in his sunglasses case uh, was for a test drive on some animals to see how see how dangerous this anthrax really is. So that explains the mystery of the sunglass case. Yeah. So then uh, there's a knock on the door and Joan answers it. And it's this youngish guy. He says, I'm looking for Sherlock Holmes. And she says, well, he's not here, but I can give him a message. And he says, tell him that Jeremy came by and tell him that I don't appreciate him implying that I killed my dad. Okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah, so... We learn. Yeah, Joan asks Jeremy, I killed him. I thought Alistair died of a heart attack. Right. And that's when Jeremy tells her that uh, Alistair passed away from an overdose. Yep. Yeah. So the next morning, uh, Sherlock is at the kitchen table reading, waiting for Godot, and, you know, his first edition copy. Mm-hmm. And, and Joan comes in and says, she, you know, she starts asking him, you know, like, why did you lie about how Alistair died? Why did you not tell me that he died of an overdose? And, and Sherlock's like, well, I didn't technically lie because his heart did stop beating. So, um, And she's like, you know, she's really pushing him because he's like, oh, I did it, you know, out of for his privacy. And I did it because I uh, I didn't feel like talking about the, this other thing. And, and Joan is like, why did you really hold this back from me? And he basically says that, like, he's having trouble grappling with it and didn't really know how to process it so he explains that he has he knew alistair for a really long time after alistair had become sober but before sherlock had started using drugs so like they go back a long way and then also one night when he was like really uh drug addled he came to alistair's apartment in new york and um, alistair took him in and Joan says, like, wow, you know, that not every addict would have taken that risk, you know, of having somebody so on drugs near them. And Sherlock's like, you know, says, like, he wasn't, he wasn't any addict. And Alistair, you know, was 30 years sober. So, like, how how could he have OD'd? Why? What? Yeah. And this is all, you know, really poignant moment from from Johnny Lee Miller. Some good, good acting again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it, but that's what happens. And uh, yeah. Sherlock's sad. Yeah. And he also just says, you know, it, it blindsided me. I was surprised. Yeah. I also wrote um, smaller in parentheses. Um, Joan is beautiful in this scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> not as relevant to the plot, <laughs> but it is. It's still there. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's definitely interesting for this thing that Sherlock is feeling to kind of manifest as like a mystery in his head. Mm. It's like that, that like the case, the case, quote unquote, of why Alistair relapsed. Um, yeah. Is like, is like, is like his way of coping with it because he can solve cases. He's Sherlock Holmes. That's what he's good at. So, yeah. so. Processing his friend's death as a case is like his way of coping, and it was, I thought that that was very interesting, a very yeah. interesting thing for the show to do. Yeah, I like that a lot. I say that like I thought of it in the episode. I didn't. I that is interesting to think about <laughs> the thing that yeah. you just said. Um, yeah, yeah. So then they get a call from Captain, and yep. they have found Eugene, but they found him 
at Bart's farm. And he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. And actually, it's not even a mystery. Greg, his the brother, says, like, it, it fully admits that he that he killed his brother. So they cut to the police station where they're talking. Uh, you know, they're, in, they're interrogating slash interviewing Greg about the whole situation. And he caught Eugene messing with the cow feed, the feed trough for the cows at like 3 a.m. He said he triggered the alarm. Yeah. And he says that Eugene's plan was to put anthrax, to feed anthrax, anthrax to the cows so that it would get in their milk and then it would kill a lot of people that way. Yeah. And then he says he he started to pull out a gun, so I had to shoot him. Uh, so pretty cut and dry for that one. Not really a mystery on the murder. Yeah. He does this weird thing where he says two halves of a clue, but doesn't put it together himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, you know, we only found half of the anthrax uh, in the, the cow feed trough or whatever. Do you have any idea where the other stuff would have gone? And he's like, well, he mentioned some friends up north. And I remember him saying that ours wasn't the only government that needed to be taught a lesson. <sighs> and it's just like, you couldn't then say, like, I think he was talking about Canada. <laughs> like, they, have to, they, like, yeah. cut to, like, Bell being like, you got to figure he meets Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> good job, Bell. So the next little detail that I noticed is probably going to hit a little different based on our <laughs> previous conversation. But um, when Bell says, oh, yeah, Canada is... Pro- you know, he probably meant Canada. Um, Sherlock says, oh, yes, anti-establishmentarianism isn't limited to these colonies. Uh, uh. <gasps> we get it. You're British. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's so weird when British people talk about America and Canada and stuff as, like, the colonies. Like, yeah, it's so, <sighs> like, like, you know... You you don't have to say it. And also, yeah. buddy, buddy, you're indicting yourself. <laughs> don't think for a second that this isn't your turd. <laughs> like you know you're the bad guy in this situation, right? Like 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 you Spain, you know, Germany and Netherlands that you all took a dump here, but you oh my god, you <laughs> you smeared <laughs> you you were the one who smeared it. Up and down the walls. Disgusting. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Joan and Sherlock go back to the brownstone, and they've got a bunch of um, files to look through of Mm -hmm. something. I don't remember what it was. Probably Canadian people. Yeah, just like, you know, people who are possibly contacts of McIntosh and that whole Sovereign Army elk. Mm, mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So Joan comes down, uh, down to the... The room that I'm beginning to suspect is just Sherlock's bedroom, yeah. but it doesn't have a bed in it. I don't well, know. Well, okay, okay, okay. This is this is the problem actually I had with the last episode. I was screaming at my phone uh-huh. because you and I both know that uh-huh. Sherlock is his vigor is tested uh-huh. every week by a myriad of women. <laughs> so tested and proven. So there must be a bed. There must be. This is the thing. There was an episode where Sherlock is like, I'm going to have a lady visitor. And he's throwing, he's he's putting out a blanket on the floor. What this, the fuck? This, this man takes male living spaces to a 
to a theta <laughs> level. Like we're past sigma at this point. Yeah. We are we are we are in the omega zone. I just don't yeah, I do not get it. I mean I I really want to be wrong about it about that because it, I would feel bad for every person that sleeps over. Honestly, and 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 the fact that like just just like wasn't there somebody who he it was the 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 dancer mm-hmm. who 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 had injured her hip or something her shoulder her shoulder okay i don't know if you ever slept on a hardwood floor before but <laughs> it's not exactly friendly to the shoulders i've walked into no. a lot of i've walked into a lot of bedrooms in my life mm-hmm. and if i saw a a just just a blanket on the hardwood floor i'd leave <laughs> Oh There's God. not, there is not a piece of shmeat on this earth <laughs> that is, that is worth me being uncomfortable. I can't even get on my knees on the hardwood floor. <laughs> and you want me to sleep here? Oh my God. I, yeah, no. Cause the blanket doesn't do anything. No. It just adds like carpet burn, perhaps. <sighs> I, a few years ago, I was over at somebody's bedroom, and Mm. they lived in a, um, this weird kind of like dorm style housing for like adults. So they, they literally only had a room and then like the bathroom was down the hall and like shared by all the other residents of the building. Sure, sure. So, um, they had to be pretty economical with their space. And so they had this little bamboo mat that they like tucked oh, behind yeah. the couch and then used as a bed. And I was like, uh, is it comfortable? And they were like, well, some people some people <laughs> say it's comfortable. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was like kind of like too late for me to like just be like, I'm gonna go home. So I slept on it. And the next morning I was like, who the fuck who who is telling you that this is comfortable? And they literally just went. Well, no, some people lie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you subjecting anyone to this? <laughs> and you know what? I bet with the housing, the way the housing market is in in, in this in, in this country and your country, uh-huh. at least four figures a month, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but it was pretty pretty centrally located, so yeah. <sighs> yeah, some people lie. Some people lie. <laughs> like you, bud? <laughs> right? I, I think they lied. I think they lied. Yeah, I think they did. Well, they were like, I like it. <laughs> they lied and Val cried. I did. No, I didn't. But I, my shoulders <laughs> your body, your, your body, Your body cried. My spine cried. I had to bring my own pillow because they didn't even have a pillow. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Chivalry is dead, honestly. <laughs> No, it's it's still alive. I'm bringing my pillow places. Um, <laughs> so Joan is like, I've looked at seventy files of these Canadian people uh, suspects, and I still haven't found anything. You know, what have you uncovered? And Sherlock's like, Well, I haven't looked at the files at all, but I was thinking about Eugene's rash. And so there's this picture of of Eugene, um, and he's got this like little red ring around his like wedding ring finger Mm -hmm. and he says you know some guys get this 
when they uh, when they're newly married, they get you know they're not used to it, and they get dermatitis on their ring part, which is smarter mm-hmm. than what I thought, which was he somehow got a reverse sunburn on that one spot, <laughs> or like a, opposite of a tan line, you know. He put he put the one ring on as soon as it was done <laughs> being formed in the mold. He's like, Exactly. But no, Sherlock went through the public records, something, something. He found out that Eugene uh, actually got married a few weeks ago. And not only did his widow tell Sherlock that he was not anti-government anymore, he was actually like normal. Like he got married at a courthouse with the justice of the peace. Like, yeah, you can't get more like, I'm okay with the government knowing my shit than like registering your marriage and, you know, going to City Hall or whatever. Even just getting married in general. Like, it's it's a huge thing to put your name on. Yeah, yeah. With so many implications for taxes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you know that when you get married, you can change any part of your name? I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but in America, like, if I, if I married Lucy Liu, yeah. um, that would be cool. And also... <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I don't have to just change like from Val Flight Cup to Val Lou. It could be like, my name is, um, Sherlock Holmes. My name is Apollo Mercer now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that would be kind of a weird thing to get like rulesy about. I'm like, no, you can only change your last name when you get married. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway. I'm not sure if it is the same here, but, um, you know, I think that's interesting nonetheless. You should get married, test it out. Yeah. Let's see what they do. I'm married to the game though. <laughs> So Joan has a really, a a reaction that kind of surprised me. I mean, I think this is just something that characters in TV shows do that real people don't really do. Yeah. Because Sherlock is like, oh, you know, claims to be anti-government, dies anyway. (laughs) Um, He's like, you know, it's pretty, it would be pretty weird for somebody like so against the government to like have a registered wedding. And Joan says, oh, well, one of the 9-11 hijackers had slept with a sex worker. Hypocrisy happens all the time. But she doesn't say one of the 9-11 hijackers. She says the guy's full name, like just rattles it off and then says, you know, explains who he was and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, why do you, what? You didn't have, you didn't need that room in your brain for something else? (laughs) Like a pin number or a password to an email account that you don't use anymore or something? Right? Like your Neopets username or your, you know, a random song from the 90s. It's just like, okay, you're from New York City. We get it. (laughs) So, so then Sherlock is like, and another thing, this cow plan is really dumb. I don't get it because there are so many things in between a cow getting milked and the person drinking the milk in between that would have somebody would have detected the anthrax and discontinued the milk like there's no way that they would have killed anybody with this and joan is like okay so they're not as smart as you like if you had an anthrax attack it would go better than theirs like what do you want and he takes a plate and he smashes it on the ground and then he just immediately goes i apologize (laughs) in a way that it was like almost seems like he knew that (laughs) Like, he was planning on doing that and immediately apologizing. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think it, you know. It was uh, an outburst. So Joan follows him. He gets up and he walks into the kitchen and Joan follows him into the kitchen. Grabs another plate. Smashes it on the ground. And then she goes, huh, that's weird. 
It didn't solve anything. Yeah. Very, uh, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like, uh, when you've hung out for the same person, with the same person for like the 29th day in a row, and you're <laughs> like, yeah, fucker, smash. <laughs> yeah, this is like very in your face. Like she's matching his energy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, um, also just like unrelated to the scene itself. But I wrote this down. Sherlock is wearing khaki pants, a like hunter green vest, and a light blue shirt, and then a black blazer. And it was just like the colors of his outfit other than the black blazer were so like hobbity and like <laughs> kind of autumnal. And, like the black blazer was like such a poor choice to <laughs> me, in my opinion, and it distracted me. Yeah, it it was it was definitely a, a fashion moment. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to be paying attention to in this moment. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, some people pay attention to, you know, like the props that we use to keep our hands <laughs> occupied. And some people t- pay attention to wigs and some people pay attention to makeup <laughs> and some people pay attention to fashion. And I'm so glad that you're able to fill all those roles. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I have everybody else. You know, pay attention to what's happening in the show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is actually an emotional moment. Um, Sherlock is like, you know, Alistair, I'm, I'm sorry for my outburst. You know, I that was like not cool. And, you know, Alistair was one of very few friends. So it's hard to lose somebody of such an exclusive group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Joan receives a classic mom text. Yep. Saying, Joan, you got to throw out all the milk. I heard there's anthrax in the milk now. And Joan walks over to the fridge and like takes out a bunch of milk cartons. And Sherlock is like, seriously? And Joan says, oh, yeah, these are these were already expired. I, her text just reminded me. <laughs> I just love that. It's my, my so fir- relatable. <laughs> my first uh, my first instinct was how expired are they, though? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I I hate when milk says stuff like sell by blah 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 date because i'm always like how long are they assuming it's going to take me to drink this after i buy it like 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 yeah and and the the fact is is that milk that is refrigerated well and consistently will last way longer than the sell by date it's Hmm. the it's the great it's the great scam of uh well one of the great many scams of capitalism (laughs) is that uh, a lot of food that is thrown away is still good oh yeah i mean the best buy date on chips is like means nothing yeah it's just like they're not as tasty later on yeah not like they turn into dirt yeah Yeah, they don't turn into illegal dirt (laughs) right it's not like i'm selling that dirt and you can like hit me up on my burner phone for the dirt (laughs) yeah that's why it's illegal because it's expired (laughs) it's expired right i don't have a permit for expired dirt yeah um have you have you ever received a text from somebody who like heard something from the news and they wanted you to know right away? Um, no, I actually I actually haven't. How about you? Uh, no, the only thing my mom ever texts me is call me, and it gives <laughs> and, it, and it gives me a heart attack every single fucking time. Someone's dead. Someone's on fire. The house oh, is dead and it's on fire. Like. <laughs> Holy fuck. We're getting evicted from the house because it's on fire and it died. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I murdered somebody and just 
and they found the body and I wish I would have told you or sooner, but you know, <laughs> but no, it's usually some shit like my nephew's coming over mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well, that's normal. Thanks for the heart attack, ma. Yeah, that that could have been a text, probably. Would have loved it as a text. It's it's kind of it's kind of considerate of her though, like asking you to call her because you know if you're busy, if she calls you, then you you know she's being disruptive. But true. If you anyway, maybe, that's really funny though. Maybe a call me not urgent. Yeah, call me when you have yeah. a second. <sighs> Did she put a period? Is it like call me? No, no, no. It's usually just all lowercase. Just call me. Well, you're gonna be so prepared. The one time she actually is telling you that the house died. Yeah, well. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, Joan, they're still at the thing. They're still in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, Joan says, you know, for all, through all this, I feel bad for Bart. You know, he mentioned that his, his farm was already not doing good. And now this. It's just a bad week for him. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock's like, hmm? Mm-hmm. What did you say? Joan's like, yeah, I mean, you know, the only reason he was getting by was because these government subsidies. And Sherlock's like, oh, your mom is a genius. Um, so he's had a breakthrough. Yeah. And it is, it's time for a farmler room reveal. A barnler. Parlor farm. Barn, barnler room reveal. Barnler room reveal. Parlor farm reveal. Yep. So the thing about anthrax is that it's sometimes fatal in humans, but always fatal in cows. And they're like, so Greg. Wait. Why do I have it written as his name is Greg in this one part? But then I wrote that his name is Bart in literally <laughs> all of the rest of my... What the hell is going on Listen, with me? Listen, it, it happens. So Bart, they're like, Bart, you, your cows are insured, aren't they? And you have this many cows, and they're insured for $2,000 a head. So if all your cows were to die mysteriously at the same time, you would get like two and a half million buckaroonies. Isn't that right? Yeah. And Bart's like, yeah, why do you ask? And they say basically that Bart and Eugene were actually not at odds. They were getting along and they hatched a plan together because the farm actually belongs to the both of them. So they decided to do this little insurance scam because uh, the farm wasn't doing good. So they they realized, you know, if we kill all the cows, then we get we'll get a bunch of money. And Bart's like, yeah, but if we wanted to get a bunch of money from the cows, we would just, like, sell them. And Sherlock's like, selling is hard, though, isn't it? And it takes, like, money and stuff. So it's a lot easier to just do a cow mass murder. Yeah. And then, so that was their plan. But then, of course, you know, Apollo Mercer, the famous pickpocket, uh, gets killed from eating a bag that he found. And Bell and... Watson come around his farm and start asking him stuff and so they're like you decided to sacrifice your brother um and you know pin it all on him you decided to you know start talking about oh yeah he was still really extremist he was still into all that stuff and um so then you know all you had to do is kill your brother and tie up the loose end and you would still be able to pull off this anthrax cow death thing later and He's like, well, that's that's all speculation. You don't have anything on me. And uh, <laughs> Bell says what I say to all my haters, which is, well, I just came here from your mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> and she said. <laughs> and she said. Uh, <laughs> no, so they got a warrant for the mom's house and found a box of 
anthrax in the closet. And Bart's like, well, that could have been Eugene's. And they're like, no, your mom said Eugene has not been around in like a month. So it's you. You're freaking busted. Owned. We got you. Owned. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. This story was interesting to me because I didn't remember that it was insurance specifically. Yeah. Um, I learned from a book that I read in uh, college, the name of which I'm sure to remember eventually. <laughs> but there was this one part about in the 80s, there was a program where basically like there were too many cows and yep. dairy farmers weren't doing so hot. And so like this is the around the time you get government cheese and stuff. And um, there was a program that would give farmers money to just kill their cows yeah like some amount of their cows and farmers were doing that taking the money and buying more freaking cows with the money (laughs) god just uh, come on man that's reaganomics for you baby that's reaganomics i will never forgive ronald reagan for what he did to this country and world nope it's me editing val back again uh i searched for the title of this book for so long could not find it lol so sorry the program started in 1986 if you want to google it yeah that's all i got it's like the it's the freaking it's the frog meme of like mom can i have a dollar to do homework yes buys more soup soup time or whatever <laughs> do you know how that comic goes <laughs> no oh god oh. I, i'm so sorry Val. Oh, that's I. I thought you would know and have a better way of explaining it. Can I say Shoot. though, vivid description? <laughs> Just like you are, you are a director with words and your voice. <laughs> it's 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 like an old school meme, but it's like current. Um, but it's like somebody being like, "Mom, can I do blank?" And the mom is that like concerned woman um, meme face, and she says to do blank right like you know can i go to my room to do homework and then the the kid responds yes and then the last panel is like really goes and blah whatever i think there's a version of that where the kid is a frog and he buys soup (laughs) with the money (laughs) you know frogs i yeah i mean they're my 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 people a little bit um God, I hope I can find a version of that meme that I can share on the Discord or something. <laughs> yeah. So may, I may, don't just sound like I made I'll, up. I'll say, uh, you know, if you if you can find it, make it the episode art. I could do that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and if you can't find it, just make it. Mom, can I have podcast to learn facts about the world? Yes. Actually listens to LMNOP. <laughs> <laughs> where 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 facts of the world are sometimes offered but not guaranteed. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. Uh okay. So that's that's the episode. We freaking got him. And then uh, we have you know our last little bit of character development. We are at a cemetery with Sherlock and Alistair and um he's talking to Alistair. Uh he says, you know, I'm about to head to a meeting, but I just kind of I wanted to come by basically. And uh, Alistair says, I'm sorry I let you down. And I think Sherlock's response is like really goes back to what you were saying um, 
or like is, is really indicative of what you were saying about how this isn't like a moralizing issue um because sherlock says you didn't let me down i have come to learn you know that what you did had nothing to do with me i know that um so this like you know he he's kind of trying to like solve the mystery of how why alistair would have done drugs again and it's just like because stuff just happens and that it sucks but it happens and uh the mystery the idea of turning his the, the death of his friend into a case built into that dynamic is who's guilty and who's the victim Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, it's important for the the show to end with there not being a real cut and dry answer to that question, because the question itself is flawed. Yeah. Sherlock explains that the reason he's there is not because he's like solving some case or whatever. He's, he says, you know, I'm here because I just love you very much and I want you to know you'll be missed. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's like that's all, you, you know. That's all you can do is just accept and be sad about it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, ho- you know, like Sherlock thinks that um, uncovering why Alistair relapsed will help him understand mm-hmm. it and, and, and not relapse in the future. But he has to kind of contend with the fact that even if he does, it's okay, you know, because, yeah. you know, that doesn't mean final doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that you're human. Right. And that was, I think, a big, it's a big, it's a pretty strong, it's a pretty good message to have in a story like this. Cause so often it's about like the narrative is who made a mistake or who, mm-hmm. you know, like who's to blame, you know? Right. Yeah. It's just ultimately it's the fault of that little amoeba that decided to split and become, evolve into a fish that would walk on land, become yeah. a human. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Alistair quotes from Waiting for Godot. He says, at me, uh, at me too, someone is looking. Of me too, someone is saying, he is sleeping. He knows nothing. Let him sleep on. Which, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty nice, uh, sentiment to sort of like end on. I like that it's, it's Sherlock reminiscing about Alistair's performance yeah. as, as Vladimir in, in Waiting for Godot. Yeah. Very poignant. Yeah. Good episode. Very good episode. Now, we have some questions. We actually have a lot of questions because oh. I remembered to ask for questions before 10 minutes before we started recording. And where did you ask those questions, Val? Well, it's a great question that you just asked me. Um, I posted them on our Twitter, which is LMNOPcast, but I also posted them in our Discord, which is in the Discord. Discord? There's a link in all the episode descriptions and you can join for free and you can talk to to me and everyone else who's in the discord yeah so let's see okay so we'll start with twitter i mentioned what what episode we were watching and at overthink the pod replied oh this episode brb let me go sob into my pillow crying emoji (laughs) true true joe bulldozer said uh said two things i'm gonna read one of them I'm going to read the, the one that we don't have to respond to first, uh, which is just, this one works better if you say it out loud than typed out. Also, I'm sorry for it. Uh, Joe Bulldozer at the tallest you says uh, that and then says, you say you like dairy girls. I personally prefer big mommy milkers. Uh, <laughs> that tweet made me lactose intolerant. 
You know, I thought I was lucky. I thought I was one of the only indigenous people I know who's not lactose intolerant. But no, no, Joe, Joe got me. <laughs> this is Joe on Joe violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Bulldozer also said some normal things, such as, because of the male attacks in 2001, anthrax was one of those things like quicksand that I kind of always thought I'd confront frequently as an adult and never have. What's the most perplexing of those that you're always anxious about in the back of your mind at some level? Um, Ooh, I really thought that, you know, when I was growing up, another thing that came, sort of came up in my in my general view of things was the West Nile virus. Uh-huh. It became a thing that, like, we got sent home with, like, pamphlets about. Wow. And I was like, oh, West Nile virus. That sounds really, you know, intense and dangerous. And, you know, I really don't, I already don't like mosquitoes, but, you know, every, you yeah. know I better make sure that, uh, you know, it, uh, I better make sure that if I see a mosquito to kill it immediately because it has West Nile virus. I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody who's had West Nile virus. <laughs> So, was that all just propaganda? I don't know. Yeah. I, and another thing, which is less related to a, a hysteric, a hysteria moment, um, rabies. So rabies. This is this is a this is the story that I I'm I've been saving for a while, but I think I'll say, I'll share it now. So I'm known for to cut corners in life, and I was like. I was sick. I was not feeling very well. So I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to order myself some, some, some food. Let's call it, uh, McRonald's. Okay. So I ordered some McRonald's and I live on the attic floor of my, uh, of my, of my, of my house. And, mm -hmm. you know, the first floor is like three floors down. Mm -hmm. And so I get the notification from Skip the Dishes that my orders arrived. And so when I go downstairs, I go onto the porch. A black squirrel is uh -huh. like dangerously close to my McDonald's. Mm. So I McDonald's. like chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My McDonald's. So I chase it off and it, and it, and it scurries away. Mm -hmm. And when I check the McDonald's package, there's no disturbance in it whatsoever. Mm. There's, there's no breaks in the tape. There's no coals anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, great. And so I take it upstairs and I open it up and the hamburger that I have ordered is completely unwrapped from his wrapping. What? And and so yeah, and so I think to myself, oh no, what has happened is is this squirrel has solid snake like <laughs> snuck into my Mc McDonald's packaging, unfurled my hamburger, uh huh, and and was about to eat it when I interrupted it. Uh huh. So it teleported back out of the bag. True. Yes. Yep. 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 And so, <laughs> I, 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 I begrudgingly threw away the hamburger. Oh my god! And I ate, and I ate the fries. And then I thought to myself, "Well, I don't want to get rabies. That's why I threw away the hamburger." And then I looked up: Do squirrels? Can squirrels have rabies? And the answer is no. <laughs> and then I looked up: Can you get rabies from eating a uh, uh, food that's been in the garbage can? And the answer says, because I thought, figured, you know, squirrels, garbage cans, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the answer is, rabies cannot be contracted by eating food. <sighs> you must be bitten and, 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 and your bloodstream must come into contact with the saliva of a ravenous, rabid, and rabies infected animal. It's also 
Your food didn't even come into contact with the animal. But the fact that a squirrel was like five centimeters from my food <laughs> made me so paranoid that I threw my lunch away. Oh my god. So now, I when I see a black squirrel, it's on sight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no good. Black squirrels are that, a weird mystery to me. Yeah, they are... Like they why, are very, very strange. Why are they? Why are they that color and the other ones aren't? You know, it's a, it's the mystery of life. My mom used to pay. Uh, my mom pays attention to the color of squirrels. Um, so she lived. She like works in the town over from where uh, she lives. And she was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of a lot of black squirrels in. There's none here though. And uh, she also noticed that in our yard one time there was a squirrel that was like all peach. It was like pink for mm-hmm. some reason. So she nicknamed him Pinky. And uh, she saw him around for a while. And then a couple years later, there was a, a squirrel that had a brown body and a pink tail. So that was hmm. son of Pinky, because <laughs> half brown, half pink. How else are you going to get that? We ha- You had to have assumed, right? Yeah. Ha- that's, there's, uh, that's definitely correct. I never 100%. questioned it. <laughs> so to answer Joe's question, uh, I talked about this, I think, on Zero to Zero as well. But when I was a kid, I was really pretty sure that I should prepare... Like, I should know what to do if I ever needed to hide from a murderer that broke into Mm. my house. Like, what would I, like, turn off the lights and close the door so that he doesn't think that that room is occupied. And then, like, sometimes I would be in the shower as a kid and the parrots that I had that lived in the house that I grew up in um, would scream. And have you ever heard a pet parrot scream? Yep. Yep. It sounds like a person uh, it sounds like a person screaming. Yep. So, and that was not good for my active imagination as a kid of like this time it's not the parrot. This time it's a person. Yep. Uh Oh, there was intonation in that scream like I, it definitely is like a real ass it definitely is a real um person who's who's being murdered right now and mm-hmm. I'm next and yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I turn off the shower, will they notice the sound change more than they would have noticed just the sound? Like, maybe it's part, it's like white noise that they wouldn't notice unless it turned off. Anyway. Um, yeah, that, I, that was that was a big one for me, I guess. Um, all right. In the Discord, we also have another question from the tallest Jew who says, in the wiki, it says that Sherlock is doing a dairy accent. Is this example of, quote unquote... Irish face more or less offensive than the city of Boston on March 17th. <laughs> so, oh man, I think I, I, I've never been to Boston, so, so I'll, I'll have to sit this one out. This is a very specific, this is like a very, I know, exactly, I know exactly what he's talking about here. Um, so do you have St. Patrick's Day in Canada? I don't know like what stuff overlaps in Canada and America. Yeah, and yeah, we, we, we got we got St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So Boston is a city that has, I, w- I want to say it has a high Irish population, but it doesn't. It has a high population of people whose grandparents are from Ireland who say, I am Irish. Yeah. And uh, they're just Bostonian. Um, but, you know, the same way that, like, you know, like, Olive Garden Italians or whatever, you know, like, people that are just like, this is my culture. Uh, I I believe these people are referred to as plastic patties. Plastic Uh, patties. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that. That sounds very apt. 
They go absolutely nuts on March the 17th. There's so many Kiss Me I'm Irish shirts that should not be worn. And um, it's an, it's definitely a mockery of the <laughs> homeland they <laughs> pretend to love. I uh, I have I have friends who have uh, Irish ancestry, and they are like, you know, they're not they're very not into the whole like St. Patrick's Day thing. It's kind of mm. it's very it's very corny, very very cheesy yeah. kind of time for them. So it's so it's good to know that at least like the people I know who have like connections to Ireland are kind of not not cool with it mm-hmm. um there's a quite there's a quite large um contingent of irish canadians in the maritimes which is pretty close to massachusetts mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so you know i can imagine there that it's like i'm sure i'm sure it's a little bit more toned down but there's something about the american the irish american experience i think that is so interesting mm-hmm. previous previous guest eris has asked uh, two questions. The first is just, do you have a good accent or impression that you pull out at parties? Oh, uh, my Irish accent is amazing. Do it right now, please. Uh, I, um, uh, hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I do not pull out accents or impressions at parties. <laughs> because I, I resist, I resist the male urge to do impressions. <laughs> Every day of my life, uh, I used to not be this way. I used to, I used to do impressions all the time. What if you embraced the gender nonconforming urge to be a funny little dude who says silly words sometimes? You know. You know, Val. I'm not sure if I'm ready to embrace that part of myself just quite yet. Fair enough. Call me in a year, and we'll see how far along I am. <laughs> Everyone's journey is at a different spot. That's you're valid. Um, my, the thing that I, so I don't really have something that I like pull out at parties, but, um, sometimes when I'm talking about the murder mystery acting that I do, I will mention Mm. that, like, I do a lot of different characters who have different accents and stuff and people will be like, what is one of them? And I like to talk about, uh, this one guy who in the script that he's in, he is very rich eccentric uh, recluse in the 1930s is a a movie producer and he's throwing this party because he wants to get murdered. Um, He wants someone to murder him at this party. Um, And he's just a weird little guy. And I, we were doing, we did this character a lot as like this one very distinct British accent. And then one day our director was like, what if you did it like a different way? But like, what if he was from somewhere else? And so I made up this like German ish, kind of accent but he also is like f- when i play him five seven <laughs> uh you know like he's he's this like kind of little guy and uh yeah. i give him terrible posture and stuff and i'm just like super weird with people and so he goes up to people and he's like welcome to my home would you like to murder me <laughs> if you go down you do it <laughs> would you stab me in the, the clavicle <laughs> it's it's great. Oh my god! I love going up to people and being like, "Are you a murderer?" And then when they're when they say no, like being disappointed and like, "Would you try?" <laughs> Beautiful. So that's that's that guy. I would I I would tip I would give you a generous tip if you did that voice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, second question from Eris is: 
Do you think Alistair was a ghost or a hallucination or was Sherlock just imagining him being there? Um, so we kind of talked yeah. about this. Yeah. I think, I think it's a visual metaphor for what's going on in Sherlock's head. But I, I could imagine Sherlock really thinking like, you know, if Alistair was here, what would he say? I don't think he was a ghost. Yeah. And I don't think he was a hallucination such that it was like an involuntary thing that Sherlock was seeing because that does happen in this show later on. Um, and this is, I think, different from that. But what do you think? What is a ghost but a memory turned into a dream in this waking life? Damn. Bars. <laughs> uh, no, in, in actuality, um, I think within the narrative, it's just Sherlock speaking to himself, mm-hmm. but speaking to himself as Alistair. Yeah. And speaking to Alistair in the way that, like, you ever have a hypothetical conversation with somebody and you're, like, trying to psych yourself up for it and you, and you try and, like, anticipate their reaction or their retort mm-hmm. and you, and you try and think about what you would say after that and, yeah. You know, I think that that's, you know, a rhetorical instrument that Sherlock normally has with his inner voice, but it's being manifested as like a a, a vision of, yeah. of 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 Alistair. And 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 I think um, you know, the idea that, you know, I think that in a way Sherlock is haunted. He is haunted yeah. by in that moment. And so why why have um, him? Why have him imagine Alistair in the moment with him rather than a flashback to a scene that we've never had before or a scene where they're interrogating each other in a darkened room that seems like a dream state? Mm. The reason why we don't cut to something else, like a scene, an, a different kind of scene enactment, is because a haunting is he's haunted in the way that like we're all kind of haunted by the the potential future that that we feel like we should be living in now but aren't mm-hmm. um he, he it just is like what if what, what if you were here to talk about this thing happening yeah you know that we that we can't talk about right now yeah um you know some people yeah. get on this podcast and we just talk about dicks and balls and like poop and peep and stuff i could i could do that you know <laughs> like i like I, I got material you know <laughs> i'm just kidding um no, I, I really appreciate your perspective. I, you're very thoughtful. I like having you on. So thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. With that, those are all of our questions. As I mentioned before, the Discord is in the episode description. The uh, the Twitter is at LMNOPcast. Um, my Twitter specifically is uh, FlightCubB. And the second B stands for Bag I Found. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> And Joe, I want to thank you so much for being on again. Uh, listeners, I hope you are used to their voice because Joe's definitely coming back sometime in the future. Um, Hell yeah. For other episodes. Uh, Sooner than you think. I haven't checked the schedule, so I actually genuinely don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, 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 you know, know, Sherlock is haunted. We're all haunted, but you're haunted by me. I'm haunting you right now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, where can uh, people find you if they're interested in in consuming more Joe opinions and thoughts? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at friend of the show. 
uh, love that I caught that at. Um, I, I, feel I do very, like that. You are a friend you know, of this show. Yeah, I am. I'm a friend of many shows. I've I've been on um, Sarah's podcast, Fear Baiting. Mm-hmm. I've been on uh, Henry Kissinger. It's Kissinger's Pokemon going to die, mm-hmm. and I have been on this one, and so yeah, I'm always happy to be on uh, podcast, and yeah, um, I uh, and when I'm not on other people's podcasts, I'm making a radio show. Ooh. My radio show is called Sound of Shadows. It's a pod. It's it's a it's a radio show where I play music and also sometimes short horror stories. Mm. Um, the music that I play ranges from like super brutal black metal to noise music to just kind of you know spooky creepy post-punk stuff cool uh you can find that on my uh i have to make a pinned tweet uh but you can find it at uh cfmu.ca and look for sound of shadows all right new episodes air every friday night at midnight so like 12 a.m friday the spookiest time the spookiest time and it's a two-hour show and it's yeah i i've made two new episodes in a row and i feel very proud of myself so nice so yeah 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 i remember hearing about that show for the first time like in october and i was like oh is it like for halloween and you were like no it's spooky all the time yeah and when when yeah when you're when you're when you're goth when you're a true goth like me every time is spooky time mm-hmm. exactly yeah cool oh and uh Fear baiting Henry Kissinger's Pokemon going to die and this podcast are all um, featured on noisepace.xyz, the podcast network for good podcasts. So thank you to Noise Space. Thank you to Matt GameCube for making Noise Space. Um, I'm saluting for Matt right now. He he the GameCube the GameCube is 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 alive and kicking and we're so happy to have absolutely. this network and we wouldn't have this network without him. They did surgery on a grape and that grape's name is Matt. Uh, yeah. Yes. No space talk. So I've got a bunch of other podcasts that are also good. You should check out. Um, but that's all for us today. Thank you for listening. This marble will keep on rolling. Bye. She's watching the detectives. Ooh, it's so cute. She's watching the detectives.